Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle. You're listening to A Private View. Last week I had the opportunity to speak to Joseph Klebanski. He was in for an upcoming project he's working on in Mayfair that I can't tell you the details of just yet. Uh, so this is part one of what will be two uh, with Joseph Klebanski. I just want to say that a little bit about Joseph that he may or may not say himself. He ventures as an artist into territory of phenomenology and revisits matters related to perception. Perception that's fascinated philosophers and art historians for years. And he sort of works with those ideas through his paintings and sculpture. The majority of of work is inspired by his life, his travels, his studies, whether it's butterfly, birds, nymphs, uh, giant apes, astronauts. He's trying to reflect reality as he understands it, which is anything but real. It was an absolute pleasure to meet Joseph. I hope you enjoy listening to the interview. Joseph Klebanski, welcome to Soho Thank Radio so much. Private View. Thank you so much for this last minute interview. It's last minute to you, but I've been intending to do it for a long time. I'm happy to hear that. We're, we're, we're in London for like 24 hours for some meetings. And then when we heard about this, we were very excited to come over here. I know. I like the way you work. I like people yeah. who work spontaneously and have a sense of fun. And I can see that coming through in your work. Now, Yeah, I think um, the, the work has humor. I think that's, it, it's important and it's, it's a nice way of reflecting situations and human behaviors because I think it, it grabs attention. If you see something that's funny or tongue-in-cheek, then it's, uh, I think it's cool. It, it, people just stop for a second and say, hey, you know, what's, what's going on here? And it does that, but then when you stop for a second, because it's fun and it's humorous, there's something deeper just below the surface. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think art needs that. It, it, it has to have a, a real story. So I think you can have an element in a painting or sculpture that is made to you know, create some attention and grab people's attention, but then you have to pull them into the real story you want to tell. And... We're not going in a chronological order to the questions I gave you, but I like it. Are the you okay with the it? Better. Good. <laughs> so, so, and the real story is what? Because we use animals as metaphors. Uh, yeah. Banksy uses animals for metaphors. Yeah. Uh, Dali uses animals for metaphors. Louise Bourgeois uses animals for metaphor. So when I see that, I, I understand that we're going into humanity as a whole and the universe and creation, yeah, I, I would think, say. I think animals are great because... You know, we, we as humans, when we look at them, we, we see emotion and we're always wondering what they're thinking. And especially like when it's monkeys, we know we are like, if you look at evolution, quite close to the monkey. So it's, it's a nice way of, in a, in, in a humoristic way, portraying uh, human behavior. Um, yeah, there's a poignancy like, to it. You feel almost yeah. more compassionate when you look at a monkey because the sense of competition with other men, let's say, if it's a gender issue. I mean, we're living in a time that's uh, just dominated with gender issues and identity mm-hmm. issues, and you've stepped right out of that and gone into the animal I think it's world, so, which it's I so pure because it's like uh, with animals, all this. Um, let's say, being strategic and all that the, the stuff humans try to do to get their point over or to get something done, it is maybe, it's cut out of the equation. Animals, like, go straight for the food. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, when the male is there, he's like the alpha male or not. You know, there's a, there's a 
clear like winner or a loser. So it's uh, it's like the purest version of uh, what people do in a more complicated way, maybe. So let's go back to the beginning because I want to get to how we came to this this sort of allegory of animals. But uh, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? How, how do you yeah. think it influenced your work? My childhood was amazing. Um, you know, for some strange reason, I I for I forgot a lot of small details of that. And and my brother Louis knows like all those little things. So that for me, that's always crazy because when he talks about stories, I'm like, whoa, man! Like this is out of my I, I just forgot forgot about it but um i i grew up in uh, well not, not grew up i was born in cape town south africa but i don't really have memories i was i think we left when i was one or one and a half and my brother's year year older uh, my parents uh, met my father was a photographer and my mom was doing uh, makeup and she's dutch and he he's from uh, south africa so they met on a on a photo set during work and then uh, decided to start a family fast forward um, but actually uh, it was sounds incredible it's and there incredible. were so many fashion shoots there because the oh, yeah. scenery was i think Ryan's daughter was filmed there i, I it's the a light the light oh, is beautiful like it's, it. it's famous for the lights so a lot of photo shoots and models they go there because it's just yeah the scenery you got the sea you got more the rougher Mountain. country yeah exactly it's a it's a cool place i've only been back uh, once that's a strange thing but it's funny because the one thing I didn't realize was the Cape Town connection with you because I remember spending a lot of time in Cape Town when I op- just before I opened my first mm. gallery and you would go back to the house and the house would be invaded by monkeys. Yeah, I mean... I mean, there was home invasions by animals yeah. and it was f- destabilizing but wonderful as well. It was like Walt Disney came over to play, yeah, but they yeah, were yeah, dangerous. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, you know. But uh, well, we... We left during the the apartheid. It it wasn't really safe to to no, maybe uh, you know have small children there. There was riots in the street, and my parents were in their photo studio with 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 boarded up windows, and there were really like riots going on a couple of meters further. So they said like, let's. Uh, my mom said let's let's visit my parents in the Netherlands, and then we'll see where we're going to go. So my dad wanted to go or to New York or to Paris. Uh, because he was a, like a successful international photographer, so he had big plans of going to like a, like a fashion city. Um, so they stopped in the Netherlands in a very small place where my my mom grew up, and for some reason, um, you know, they they didn't leave. And my dad had a hard time, um, you know, finding his new roots there. It was difficult um, for my mom. She was Dutch. It was easy for her, but I think. Um, you know, we, we I, I, I grew up in an in an international orientated family and a creative family. So, so lucky you. Yeah, so I think that was special. You know, maybe if both your parents are you know working at a bank or lawyers, it's a different upbringing. It's very different. You yeah. have a hurdle to jump over if you love I think your parents, so. where you have to convince them it's a real job and a real life, yeah. and a real career. Because most people can't imagine it. So you sort of had a an entry that was quite supportive into the art world. Yeah, exactly. That's the right word. It was supportive. So so they never expected me to do anything creative. I I, I went to a to a business school and uh, more out of what you start doing like tests, like what are your interests? And my interests were uh, first. What came out of the test was um, 
It's called hotel school. I don't know what, what it's called here, but uh, like hotel school. Yeah, hotel school. Yeah, hospitality. So, hospitality. So be, because like, oh, you like to communicate. You like to, you know, be amongst people. You like to uh, cook. So so that came out. I did that for a year, and then I knew like, oh yeah, I actually do like it, but it's not it's not my prof- it's not going to be my profession. So I stopped that after a year. Then I went to a business school because it was more broad. You had you had, you had many disciplines. So that's what I liked. I did that. Uh, I didn't really have the feeling I learned a lot that I didn't know in a way because it it was my character to want to communicate. And then in my last year of that of that uh, school, uh, I did an apprenticeship, and it was actually uh, my I did it at a student magazine, and my friend did it at an art gallery. So every day he said, "Hey, why don't you come over to grab a coffee during our lunch break?" And that's how I really got into contact with art. And then when I had the concept of uh, wanting to express myself, uh, you know, through art, that was the moment I realized my parents were supportive for a possible career path in art. I showed them, and instead of they being like, hey, man, you better get a real job, they were like, wow, like, what are you making? Why are you making it? What is the concept? What is the color balance? So it was very supportive, and I think that really gave me the confidence to pursue a profession in art uh and i think i was lucky you know maybe in that time when it's really fragile if your parents say like i don't know what you're doing but we have other plans for you let's say maybe it it, it would never be like this Uh, yeah i'm sure a lot of people end up going into real estate for exactly that reason or something else that seems like a secure living because there was that notion especially people who've had to move countries before they and they they seem to get uh, this Maybe idea of security on, yeah, yeah correct, becomes correct. huge however yeah. I, there's a couple of things i wanted to mention when you were telling your story and your career path uh, Soutine's work in hotels and looking at people in hotels you would have a lot of opportunities to observe people in the hospitality industry yeah, and and yeah, then correct. the other thing i was thinking about was business school and mm. The parallels I see between the finish and the craftsmanship with Jeff Koons' work, mm-hmm. um, incredible finish on your work, incredible yeah. kind of craftsmanship. Yeah, I think that came really natural to to me, to uh, you know my my father that is involved in that process, and and later that got extended to uh, my brother his, and his wife and and our team. It's like it became a philosophy for us, like. I think it is against the grain of our nature to, um, let's say, call something finished when it's really everybody can see it's not done. And I think it's got to do with it, with with the style of your work. If you look at a, a piece like a Flanagan or whatever, yeah, it's a Barry very, Flanagan, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's like it's like a, a rough bronze style, um, and you know that. I love that work. I love that work. But for me, I think the characters I create and the images I create are um, created through the means of working with the computer, working with 3D modeling. And it's more like an exact, yeah, exact science or exact expression. So I wanted to then look like what we created in the computer. And maybe if you if you uh, are good at making clay models, you see your fingerprints. You see the the, the pressure you added the uncertain space. So so you want to replicate that in bronze material. So, 
help me here understand, you wanted to make it, some artists paint landscapes, others yeah. paint portraits. You wanted to create an alternative universe that looked like what you saw and lived in the computer. Yeah. That's so, so, amazing. so, so, um, for me, my art and my expression is about the concept and about the idea. And then, um, it's like, okay, how am I going to express myself? Okay. I'm going to do this in the way, let's say a sculpture for this example. Um, I want to model a, um, like a, like a, like a Pinocchio character, but I want to give it my, because the Pinocchio is like a symbol for it's a wooden puppet. And if he lives righteous and doesn't lie, then one day he'll become a real boy. So, I thought, okay, so Pinocchio is made out of wood. So what if we model it and we skip the wood grain that you would see if you would see it in color? But what if you would make it in three in three dimensional in the computer? You won't have the wood grain texture. It would just be the shape without the material, and then it would be a very uh, smooth uh, optique, let's say. And then if you create that in bronze, okay, so it's going to be like a high polish material. That's why probably the, the reference to Jeff Koons, I get that a lot. And I see why. Because I, I work in bronze, but then it's like a high, I use a high polished uh, finish. I, 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 I didn't start doing patinas yet, so that's already a bit more matte, a bit more, you know, I painted some sculptures, but it's usually polished. So the Jeff Koons sort of comparison, which yeah. in my opinion is a compliment. I hope you feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm growing into that. It's sort <laughs> of uh, it's brushed aside when we see your paintings. Yeah, correct. Because that's when it's obvious that you're not categorizable, that you're yeah. like you can't be put into, you're not a square peg. Like, yeah. So these categories that I've attempted to put you into sort of to create a visual through a narrative that yeah. people want to see falls apart because your work takes a departure from one thing and then suddenly becomes something else. So yeah, I, I, I feel, and, and maybe that's, um, let's say, more difficult in the art world, is that I like to express myself in like I want to express myself and you think, oh, that, that sounds logical, but no, it's like sometimes people create a style and they want to have their sculptures and their painting in the same style because that resembles their, you know, their, their narrative or whatever. But for me, it's really like my paintings are a very different style than I would say my, my sculptures are. Um, and for me, that's okay. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to per se connect them and create them in the same style because I see them as two separate things, the paintings. The one is rougher with splashes on it and, you know, boom. And the other one is more polished and perfect. And I don't see why an artist would want to place themselves in, in, in a cube, you know, in a no, box. Nor do I. Yeah. So I congratulate you on that. Or nor does Gerhard Richter. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's you not going to be, be put in a box either. You yeah. want to be free to express yourself in different ways. And I think that's part of a contemporary vision is that you yeah. won't be categorized for the marketplace. So yeah. on that note of the Kuhnses, the Richters, the Barry Flanagans, who does influence you? You know, I have to say that um, at the beginning of my career, um, I really try to stay away from what we call the art market and the art fairs because... Uh, I had many discussions with my family about this, and it is very difficult not to be influenced by other art if you see it all the time. And 
yeah, I would say that really for the first like five years, maybe longer of my career, I just didn't visit art fairs. I think you were sensible. There are people who believe that they're not meant for artists. You do know that. Yeah, 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 because it's more like a marketplace. Yeah, that artists should never see an art fair. Yeah, and I think, you know, you really get uh, influenced by that, by by what you're seeing, and then when you come back and you you make your next creation, you're like, you know, I really like what that guy or or girl was doing. So for me, I said, I'm not going to do it. And then after about six years, I went to the art fairs. Obviously, a whole, you know, new world opened up for me. And then I really looked at... Not the shapes, but more like the color, color combinations. And I looked at materials like, wow, look at this painting, how rough it is. Or there's like a glitter effect on it or like a diamond dust effect on it. And and that really inspired me to see how can I use different colors and materials, but not looking at the shapes or the stories they were, the other artists were telling. And the the use of allegory and metaphor... What I noticed, and it makes sense to me now that you were born in Cape Town, I'm like, there's a lot of animals, but there's no dogs and horses and the traditional animals that you see. Where are the birds? What have you? Mm. Instead, I have turtles and Pinocchio and uh, apes. It's very different. Now that I know you were born in Cape Town, it sort of opens up the whole, of course, your allegories come from different places. (laughs) But maybe also it's something else that I'm missing. Yes, I, I think um, for me, it's not really like, okay, I was born in Cape Town, so because I left when I was really young. For me, it's more like through what vehicle, let's say, can I tell this story in the best way? So I also do a lot of pieces with like astronaut themes because the astronaut for me... Beautiful, is I've a, seen them, yeah, exactly. It's really a symbol for um, being on the forefront of humanity because we know there's a person in the suit but it's like a heroic figure. There are only like a handful of people that ever wore the suit, went to space. So they are human, but they're really on the forefront of technology and the forefront of mankind. They've seen places 99.99999% of other people have never seen. So that's really a symbol for futurism. And then like a monkey is really like the, raw, the rawest version of man, uh, you know, cutting out what we, what we discussed before is all these like strategic stuff people do to get their way. It's like raw and, and, and pure. And uh, the Pinocchio is really a metaphor for um, how people evolve, like wooden puppet to becoming a real person. And maybe the real person you only... Or you start getting a real person when you're maybe like 50 or whatever. Mm. You know, it's like it takes time to go through the ebb and flow of life and say, I know myself. I know what the world is about. Some people never get there. Some people get there younger. But typically when you're 25, you think you know a lot, but you haven't experienced a lot. So uh, you maybe must be humbled a couple of times before you understand. And and, and that's what I like about the Pinocchio uh, character. Yeah. You know? It's incredible to me because I feel like I've just sat down to talk to you, but we're out of time. No. Yes. So what I'm hoping is that you're back in London when? Yes. Uh, we're, we're, we're working on something very big. We can't announce it yet, but very, very big and exciting. Uh, probably I'll be back in two weeks' time. Will you come and talk to me again? I would love that. Perfect. Love that. Where can people see your work in the meantime? Uh, at Maddox Gallery. Terrific. Maddox, yeah, Maddox Gallery have two locations in London. They have a couple of pieces of mine, and it's a, it's an amazing gallery. So please go and visit. 
And I would say if you want a contemporary and somewhat future Instagram, Instagram sorry, my Instagram, go on yeah at please jo- at I have a beautiful let's say online gallery on my Instagram and uh, say it again say your at online gallery Joseph Klibonski.com uh, at Joseph Klibonski. yeah that's my Instagram the dot com is obviously my website find it at find Klibonski it you is. won't be you'll enter yeah. a parallel universe uh, that will talk about deep contemporary issues and make you laugh at the same time yes I'm so delighted to meet you and I will reserve a spot for you in two weeks time thank you Appreciate for being it. here thank you so much that was Joseph Klebanski and I was talking about Big Bang a 2016 gigantic gorilla clad in a party hat and horn it's it's uh, that celebratory madness with your grumpy grandpa or the sullen animal's face in the case of Big Bang and Joseph's sculpture it's such an incredible piece it's a it sticks in your mind even though you get annoyed that it sticks in your mind it's the ridiculousness of how we celebrate and maybe animals take take us down to what things really are. I don't know. I'm just looking at them and thinking. Uh, They're glossed and polished and realized with the aid of a giant 3D printer. When Joseph does announce what he's working on in Mayfair, I hope everyone can make it to see the space. Uh, His aesthetics are capable of getting under your skin and becoming part of you and that's really what you want from an artist an artist who becomes part of who you are Uh, thank you for listening to part one of a private view with joseph klebanski stay tuned for part two